Hello. Hello. Welcome. Welcome to Three Funny Ladies. That is Susan Alexa Jacobs. Oh no, that's Joe Alexa Turn Off Fanny. <laughs> <laughs> What's up? Oh, not a damn thing. What's up with you? Nothing. All right. Well, this is off to a great start. <laughs> um, the Lions play today. Sure. Sure. Um, I are uh, Real Housewives of Salt Lake is come to a close for the season. Yeah, I'm glad about that. I was not bowled over by that reunion. Yeah, because we still don't even know what happened to Heather's eye. Yeah, and I just it was like the Monica show for most of it, and I just was like, I don't. This is not how yeah, I wanted it care. to go. Didn't care. Um, what else? Mm, I watched a documentary called. Are you laughing at me? No. Are you paranoid? <laughs> oh well, yes. Um, are you laughing at me? Are you um, uh, laughing at me? Um, <clears throat> I watched a documentary called, um, oh shit, I'm going to fuck it up. American Nightmare? No, I didn't. Because I don't care about that. I don't know why. I know that story anyway. I've seen it. Um, yeah. And I'm just like, we get it. <laughs> okay. Um, oh, shoot. Something good photo, lovely life. Good day, sir. Good day, sir. Good Um, photo, lovely life. Good day, sir. The story of, I don't know what. It is about. uh, It is about this woman. She is a photojournalist. And um, great photo, lovely life. It is this photojournalist, but she has a horrible name, Amanda Mustard. Oh, my. Oh, poor thing. Um, <clears throat> her grandfather was a pedophile. Mm. And she talks to him about it. He never got, he spent maybe three years in jail at some point, but he abused a lot of people and never got caught for it. And um, she talks to him about it, and he, like, talks openly about it. What's it on? Um, well, I watched it on the Super Secret. But okay. It's also on Hulu, YouTube, and Amazon Prime. All right. I'm gonna look at it. It sounds interesting. I mean, it is just it is he's just like, Oh yeah, yep, I did that. Yep. Sure did. Wow. Sorry about it. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Um so watched that. I'm trying to get into drag race and I I don't care. Oh, I forgot. We haven't watched this week's yet. But yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, I, I don't care. Um, I started watching this year's um, Detective. Detective. Oh, shit. True Detective? Oh, I, yes, thank you. Jesus, I'm terrible. Because it has Jodie Foster in it. It does. I've not watched any of them. Uh, I, this is the first one uh, I'm watching. And it's, I mean, it's okay. Apparently she has sex with a man at some point, which I just, I don't want to see because that is just so out of the realm of any realistic thing happening that I just don't think I could take it. Um, That's about it. That's all I got going on. 
we uh, we got caught up on selling Sunset, and that's been oh. about the big the big thing here in the ho- at this house this week. Okay, so it's been a banner week for both of we, us. Apparently, we really are just getting at home. Uh, the Oscar nominations happened. There was a little hullabaloo about all of that, uh, which is now a week old. So, but it ha- but we have to talk about it for a little for a second the fact that Ryan Gosling was nominated <laughs> and Greta and Margot were not is his. It's it's actually perfect when you think about it. It's actually fucking perfect. Um. I thought Mar- America Ferrera was good. I don't think she deserved a nomination. I don't think he deserved a nomination, honestly. Mm. I'm glad that they were both nominated. I mean, I'm happy for them both, and I loved what he said. He is a class act. Um, But, yeah. I don't think it's going to win anything. Mm. Maybe song. Yeah, if it were not in the adapted screenplay... I think that's just, probably where it would have. Yeah, I think it's going to win song. Um, but which one? I think Billie Eilish is going to win. Okay, okay. That's my, although they may, they've in the past, if we look at uh, It's Hard Out There for a Pimp, it could go to I'm Just Ken. Mm. Um, um, and our girl Annette Benning did get nominated, so yeah. did Judy Foster. Yeah, yeah. Um, my friend Linda. Uh, who is an Oscar completist, uh, is 1,000% in the Annette Benning camp. So, for what that's worth. Okay. Um, yeah, I haven't, I haven't watched it yet. So, I need to get on that. Robert Downey the- Jr. is nominated, which I know you don't care about at all. Yeah, yeah, but I, I don't. Do. I walked um, out of that movie, so. Oppenheimer? Yeah. Just bored. Uh, yeah, I never had any. I never had any desire to see it, but Emily Blunt was also nominated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're doing pretty well with our. I mean, you're welcome, you guys. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> this is what we do. We just make Annette things Benning. happen. And that Benning specifically, you're fucking welcome. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. Yeah, she should uh, send us some flowers or something. Something, something. I mean, clearly. A clearly. People in Hollywood were just, you know, googling. And yep. that Benning podcasts, and they're like, "Oh, these these two, these two fatties." I'm gonna these two mid- midwestern fatties. I'm gonna vote for her <laughs> if she has the fat people vote. Yeah, she she does. <laughs> um, that's about it. Nothing really exciting. We've been watching Modern Family. Oh, from the like from the get like in sequential order, so, or just when it's on. Yes. So Pete watched it. And I would watch here and there with him, but he would, you know, he watches it all night and he watches all day. And so I was like, you know, and so we watched the finale and I was like, well, now I want to see it from the beginning because I hadn't been watching with him. So we started back over again. But here's the thing. I cannot sit on our couch. It just my back can't take it. It's been uh, physically not the greatest week. Um. A lot of muscle issues and spasms and stuff happening, and it just wasn't great. So, but so do you still sit on the couch anyway, or do you have alternate? I I have been, but I think I'm gonna uh, I gotta change it up somehow. So we'll see. I don't know. I haven't thought about it yet. Okay. 
Um, Joe totaled his car this week. What? 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 What happened? Um, he was. It was Monday. Okay. He was driving home from Affirmations, and so Tuesday morning is our garbage pickup. Okay. So you can't. He usually parks in the street. Okay. So you can't park in the street on Tuesdays. So he texted me that he was on his way home from Affirmations. So I went out and got in my car to make room for him because I leave earlier in the morning than he does. Mm -hmm. So, and I didn't bring my phone because I'm like, I'm just going to be out there for a minute. So I'm sitting out in the street in my car for like an hour. And I'm like, what, what the fuck? Like, what is happening? <laughs> like, where the fuck did he go to the store or something? <laughs> so then I like get out of the car, I come back in to get my phone. And then I have like all these texts and phone calls and stuff. So he was coming down Woodward Heights mm -hmm. and there was a train down at like Marshall. So he yeah. went up to Woodward Heights to see if he could beat it. And then he turned the corner and then he, there was a lady stopped and he tried to stop, but it was too snowy, icy. And he just, Kept going right into her oh. rear end. Her car was had very minimal damage. She was of able course. to just drive away, but his car is totaled. So I'm trying to figure that out now. Oh, that sucks. I'm sorry. Yeah. So he has a rental for the time being. Okay. A rental. A rental. Yeah. So that also is something that happened here in the, in <laughs> this. That area. is also something that occurred in life. Yeah, we were supposed to see Wicked on Wednesday, but we ended up not going. Where's Wicked? It's at the Opera House. Oh, uh, okay. And uh, it was part of our, you know, season subscription. And I came home on, and Joe, what made me think of this is because his back is also fucked up. Mm. Um, and so on Wednesday, I came home from work and I said, how are you feeling about the show tonight? And he said, how do you mean that? And I'm like, I mean, look, here's the thing. I could, I would be happy to go and I would be happy to stay home. So I'm right. good either way. I'm just putting it out there in case you. And in case you didn't want to say it, I'm being the brave one. But because it's at the opera house, their seats are like worse oh, God, than. Yeah. No, so bad. he was like, because of his back, he's like, let's just stay home. And I was like, I am so fine with that. Plus we'd already seen it. And so like, you know, so we didn't go. I feel like I would hate it on stage. I did the first time I saw it. I liked it better the second time. Oh, all right. Um, but yeah. Okay. So yeah, it's almost February. That's crazy. Yeah, our Christmas tree is still fucking up. Oh dear. Oh okay. dios mio. Ah dios mio. Um, yeah, it's almost February. Um, and then February, March will be nine years long. And yeah, I read this is that's wrong. I started this sentence incorrectly. I saw I was gonna say I read an article, which is not true. I saw a headline um, that said uh, that we as a human race need to um, get used to having less and less snow as the years progress. So. Well, that's not terrifying at all. Yeah, right? So. Just like we're waiting for that Gulf Stream to collapse. So that's also super cool. And then we'll have the next four years to look forward to with that idiot back in power. So. Don't say that. Look, you know it's going to happen. I Joe! mean, a lot can happen between now and then, and I hope to God that it does. 
But anyway, I don't, I don't want to talk about it. Okay. Well, now that I have feelings about it, now now the <laughs> no, you, discussion's we, over. You talk about now it. Now that I have a rebuttal, let's not talk about <laughs> you it. You talk about it. I don't want to talk about it anymore, but I've said my piece. So you go. No, I just, I said to Pete the other day, I said, if that happens again, I don't know if I can take it. I honestly don't know if I can. That's what I saw my therapist. Like, honestly. uh, Yeah. 100%. I saw my therapist yesterday and I'm like, look, I don't, I don't, this is what I do not understand how people can say, yeah, sure. Let's, let's get it back. He did such a great job the first time. Nothing has been going on with him in the intervening years. So he's the best man for the job. That's, but that's not what they think though. They don't think any of those things. They think, Someday I'm going to be a billionaire because, you know, and I want my money to be protected. And, you know, they, they're they not thinking anything like, oh, he's a good president. Like, nobody believes that. Literally I think that there believes. are some people who do think that. Really? I do. I think. I just think they're all mentally ill, if we're being honest. I think that there's there are a few different camps of people who will vote for him. I think there are people who really believe that he is a good president leader man question mark i think that there are people like you said who are just out to protect their money um and they think this is the best way to do it and i think that there are people who are like yeah let's fucking vote for this fucking idiot and we're just gonna own the libs on this one and then i just think that there are people who are just completely stupid who don't understand anything about how politics work and they're just like yeah what the fuck yeah yeah um, yeah, I, yeah, okay. Now we can be done. I can't, I'm not going to make it if we have to go through that again. Honest to God. Yeah. Honest to God. Um, sorry, I brought it up. Uh, no, that's all right. Uh, oh, well, I guess let's talk about going close, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> ah! Um, are you ready to talk about her? Okay. I, I don't have anything else. Now I'm depressed, so... <laughs> um all right well then let's get into it glenn close i don't i don't find a middle name for glenn close so no yeah and it doesn't even it looks like her actual name yeah interesting so glenn close was born on march 19th 1947 in Greenwich, Connecticut. That makes her 76 years old, almost 77. Her mother was socialite Elizabeth Mary Hester Moore, and her father was William Talaferro Close. He was a doctor who operated a clinic in the Belgian Congo and served as the personal physician to its dictator, Mobufu Sese Seiko. I may have said that wrong, but he was a dictator, so I don't care. You're right, so whatever. <laughs> she has two sisters who are called Tina and Jesse, and two brothers, Alexander and Tambu Misoki, who you may have guessed by the name, was <laughs> adopted by her parents while living in Congo. Um, during her childhood, uh, there, there's going to be a lot. There's going to be a lot of stuff coming up here that we're going to have to unpack. During her childhood, uh, she lived with her parents in a stone cottage on her maternal grandfather's estate in Greenwich. Now, here's the thing. She feels very moneyed. She seems very sort of 
yes. regal and she like yes. reading this was not a surprise to me at all. Her, yeah, 100%. She began honing her acting abilities in her early years. She said, I have no doubt that the days I spent running free in the evocative Connecticut countryside with an unfettered imagination playing whatever character our games demanded is one of the reasons that acting has always seemed so natural to me. Although she has an affluent background, she has stated that her family chose not to participate in WASP society. She would also avoid mentioning her birthplace, the wealthy town of Greenwich, whenever asked because she did not want people to think she was a dilettante who didn't have to work. Now, when she was seven years old, her parents joined the Moral Rearmament, also known as the MRA, which was a conservative new religious group in Ugh. which her family remained involved for 15 years. Mm. During this period, her family lived in communal centers, and she has described the MRA as a cult that dictated every aspect of her life, from the clothes that had to be worn to what she was allowed to say. Absolutely. She, she says, from when I was seven to when I was 22, I was in this group called MRA, and it was basically a cult. Everybody sprouted the same things. Sorry, spouted. Everybody spouted the same things, and there's a lot of rules, a lot of control. Because of how we were raised, anything that you thought you would do for yourself was considered selfish. According to the newspaper, The Independent, her father joined the group in 1954 and then eventually moved the family to the MRA's Switzerland headquarters. In 2001, the group renamed themselves uh, to Initiatives of Change. And it seems by all accounts, they have, they're, not, they're not nearly as strict and stringent as they once were. Uh, she traveled for several years after that um, from the mid to late 1960s with the um, clean cut singing group Up With People. During her time with them, she organized a small singing group called the Green Glen Singers, and the group's stated mission was to write and sing songs which would give people a purpose and inspire them to live the way they were meant to live. When she was 22, she broke away from the MRA, although she's never spoken about how she did it. She once stated that her desire to become an actress allowed her to leave the group, adding, I have long ago forgiven my parents for any of this. They had their reasons for doing what they did, and I understand them. It had terrible effects on their kids, but that's the way it is. We all try to survive, right? And I think that, act I think that what actually saved me more than anything was my desire to be an actress. I mean, it's astounding that something you went through at such an early stage in your life still has such a potential to be destructive. I think that's childhood trauma. That whole part of my life I used to feel so much shame about, even though it wasn't my fault. It was something I could never talk about because I felt people would make snap judgments, and a lot of times the snap judgments were very destructive. Because of the devastation, emotional and psychological of the cult, I have not been successful in my relationships mm -hmm. and finding a permanent partner. And I'm sorry about that. I think it's our natural state to be connected like that. And it's probably why we all have dogs. <laughs> Nowadays, she, uh, she is able to find support 
from her family, having relocated to Montana to be closer to where her family lives. She says, here I am at this point in my life after 45 years that I've been an actress, getting comfort and companionship on a regular basis from my family. I've come home to them. But her sisters, it sounds like have like it sounds like all of her siblings and her have borne some sort of psychological trauma from all of their years with this call. Her sister was just diagnosed with uh, bipolar one um, mm. at the age of fifty, and they never really knew what was. I don't want to say what was wrong with her, but what was happening with her. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, getting the diagnosis was something that was a relief to all of them. Although, of course, you know, not necessarily the diagnosis you want but woo, right what a life yeah, um after uh well not after she attended the prestigious college of william and mary in virginia uh double majoring in theater and anthropology and during her senior year of college she became inspired to pursue a career in acting after watching an interview of katherine hepburn on the dick cabot show um, she has been married three times with each marriage ending in divorce, her first marriage at age 22, which she has described as kind of an arranged marriage ended before she started college. Uh, the marriage from 69 to 71 was to Cabot Wade, who was a guitarist and songwriter with whom she had performed during her time at up with people. From 1979 to 1983, she lived with actor Len Cariou, uh, who was the original Sweeney Todd. And she was married to grocery heir James Marlos, Marlos, uh, from 1984 to 1987. Later, she began a relationship with the producer John Stark, whom she had met on the set of The World According to Garp. They had a daughter. Uh, named Annie Stark, who was born in 1988, and who is an actress, of course, who we have never heard of before. Right. Um, She and her daughter, nope, she and her husband at the time, John Stark, separated in 1991. In 1995, she was engaged to carpenter Steve Beers, who had worked on Sunset Boulevard. Uh, The two never married, and their relationship ended in 1999. In February 2006, she married executive and venture capitalist David Evans Shaw in Maine, but they divorced in August of 2015. She was also romantically linked to actor Robert Pastorelli, who found fame as Candace Bergen's house painter in the TV series Murphy Brown. I know, isn't that crazy? I did not know that. That is crazy. Mm-hmm. And that's what I have on Glenn Close. That's so, that's so weird. All right. Uh, Close started her professional career on the stage in 1974 at age 27. In her senior year of college, she called her school's theater department to be nominated for a series of auditions through through the University Resident Theater Association. Eventually, she was given a callback and hired for one season to do three plays at the Helen Hayes Theater. One of those plays being Love for Love, directed by Hal Prince. Mm. She made her television debut in 1975 with a small role in the anthology series Great Performances. From September 78 to April 79, Glenn appeared on Broadway in the Crucifer, yep, the Crucifer of Blood, playing the part of Irene St. Clair. Mm. 
It, ooh, I don't ooh, know. Irene Saint Clair. My dream and, role. <laughs> in 1979, she filmed the television series. Nope, the tele the television movies Orphan Train and Too Far to Go. Uh, the latter film included Blythe Danner and Michael Moriarty. Hmm. And she played Moriarty's lover. Ooh, lover. Uh, in the 1980s, the 1980s proved to be closest breakthrough in Hollywood in 1980. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was discovered on Broadway. She was discovered on Broadway. Like, are we on Broadway? Like, <laughs> You're no, I wonder if they know what kind of actor they have in that show. <laughs> um. And asked her to audition uh, with Robin Williams for a role in The World According to Garp, which would become her first film role, which I didn't know, as well as her first Academy Award-nominated performance. She played Robin Williams' mother, despite being only four years older. But they start, he's a little boy when they start, it's fine. Everybody back off, it's fine. Uh, (laughs) Stop writing your letters, it's fine. Um. The following year, she played Sarah Cooper in The Big Chill, a character that director uh, Lawrence Kasdan said he specifically wrote for her. The movie received positive reviews and was financially successful. Close became the third actor to receive a Tony, Emmy, and Oscar nomination all in the same calendar year after after the release of The Big Chill. Also in 1980, she received her first Tony nomination for her performance in the musical Barnum. 1984. Close was given a part in Robert Redford's baseball drama, The Natural, which I always forget. And although it was a small supporting role, she earned a third Oscar nomination. Close to this day credits her nomination to cinematographer Caleb uh, Deschanel, stating, The hat was designed so the sunlight would come through it. We waited for a certain time of day, so the sun was shining through the back of the stadium. And he had a lens that muted the people around me. It was incredibly well thought out shot. And I honestly think that's the reason I got nominated. <laughs> um, Close also starred opposite Robert Duvall in the drama The Stone Boy, a film about a family coping after their youngest child accidentally kills his older brother in a hunting accident that sounds like a knee slapper um she can uh, continue to appear in television films in the following years uh beginning with the elephant man in 1984 she starred in the critically acclaimed drama something about amelia a television film about a family destroyed by sexual abuse she's she really knows how to pack in the laughs um <laughs> she won her first tony award in 1984 for the real thing directed by mike nichols uh, let's let's get out of the 80s. In 1990, Close went on to play the film, play the role of Sonny Van Bulow opposite Jeremy Irons in Reversal of Fortune to critical know, acclaim. Doing, we just should glance on Fatal Attraction. Oh, shit. Because I forgot that was in the 80s. In 1987, um, Close played the disturbed book editor Alex Forrest in the psychological thriller Fatal Attraction. The film became a huge box office success, the highest growing, growing, the highest grossing film worldwide of that year. The film propelled close to international stardom, and the character of Alex Forrest is considered one of her most iconic roles. The phrase bunny boiler has even been added to the dictionary. Oh, wow. I didn't know oh, that. Wow. During the reshoot of the ending close suffered a concussion from one of the takes when her head smashed against the mirror oh yeah Ooh. 
After being rushed to the hospital, she discovered much to her horror that she was actually a few weeks pregnant with her daughter. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. Close stated in an interview that fatal attraction was really the first part that took me away um, from the Jenny Field, Sarah Cooper's good nurturing women roles. I did more preparation for that film than I've ever done. Close received her fourth Oscar nomination for this role, her first in a leading category. She also won the People's Choice Award for Favorite Motion Picture Actress. She played a scheming aristocrat uh, in the period drama Dangerous Liaisons. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, who cares about that? Okay. Uh, then she was in Reversal of Fortune. The film drew some controversy since it dealt with Klaus von Bülow murder trial while the real Sonny van Bülow was still in a vegetative state. Sonny's children publicly uh, criticized the movie. In the same year, Close played Gertrude in Franco Zeffirelli's film adaptation of Hamlet. It was the first Shakespeare role that Cla- Cla- oh my god that Close had ever attempted on screen. She was on the she was on stage in King Lear. Uh, Close would later go on to join the cast of The House of Spirits, reuniting her with Jeremy Irons. She also has a cameo appearance in Steven Spielberg's Hook as a pirate. Did you know that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, in drag. Oh, all right, fine. Uh, <laughs> fuck my drag then, right? Okay. Um, in 1991, she started in the highly rated Hallmark Hall of Fame television movie, Sarah Plain and Tall, as well as its two sequels sequels in 1992 uh she started meeting venus for which she received critical acclaim and won best actress at the venice film festival oh for what movie uh it's called uh uh meeting venus hmm yeah, i don't know don't that know. one um do do uh she has provided the voice of Mona Simpson in The Simpsons, which is hilarious to me. Entertainment Weekly named Close one of the 16 best Simpsons guest stars. <laughs> Close has also hosted Saturday Night Live twice in 1989 and 1992. In 1992, she won her second Tony Award for Death and the Maiden. Hmm. One of her most notable roles on stage was Norma Desmond in the Andrew Lloyd Webber production of Sunset Boulevard in, what, in which... She won her third Tony Award. Uh, She played uh, the role for a year. It was met with critical acclaim. Uh, She would later re-team with the show's director in London for his Royal National Theatre revival of A Streetcar Named Desire in 2002. She appeared in the uh, newsroom comedy drama The Paper, uh, directed by her good friend Ron Howard. And then she was in Mars Attacks. Uh, that same year, that was 1996, that same year, she portrayed the sinister Corella DeVille in the Disney live-action hit 101 Dalmatians. I almost made you watch that because I've never watched it. You I've haven't? Never it. I've never seen it. Oh, my God. I, that's what I thought you were going to pick. Yeah, I almost did. And then I was like, oh, God, I just don't feel like it. Uh, <laughs> uh, ba, 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 ba. Uh, let's see. That same year, she portrayed the sinister... Uh, ba, ba, her role as Corella DeVille was universally praised and earned her nomination for Golden Globe for Best Actress. The film was also a commercial success, commercial success, grossing $320 million in theaters wow. against a $75 million budget. As per Close's contract, she is allowed to keep any costumes from her films. 
Much to her dismay, the producers attempted to make copies of Close's wardrobe due to the expensive materials being used, but she rejected their suggestion and kept the originals. The following year, Close appeared in another box office hit, Air Force One, playing the trustworthy vice president to Harrison Ford's president. Uh, Ford stated in an interview that the role of vice president was already written for a woman and that he personally chose Close for the role after meeting her at a birthday party for then-president Bill Clinton. Uh, Close would later star in the warm film par- war film Paradise Road as a choir conductor of the women of the women in sp- imprisoned by the Japanese in World War II. Uh, in 1999, she provided the voice of Kala in Disney's animated film Tarzan. Another one, which I was like, do I do this? No, I'm not going to do that. Um, then she. Returned as Cruella de Vil in 102 Dalmatians in 2000. That received mixed reviews. Um, she was in Kristen Stewart's first film role, The Safety of Objects, um, which I thought her first film role was... Panagram? Yeah, Panagram. I think somebody's lying here on the Wikipedia. Um, in 2001, she started a production of uh, South Pacific as Nellie Forbush. Uh, she did a guest stint on Will and Grace. Um, did you do one else? What else? So many things. So many things. I'm trying to skip to the good stuff, you guys. Uh, in 2010, uh, Close began filming Albert Knobs in Dublin. Did you see that movie? I did not. Neither did I. She, she also wrote Obie. it. She did? She had previously won an Obie in 1982 for her role in the play. Oh, okay. Cool, 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 cool. Um, she'd been working on the project in which she appeared alongside 100 Run Dalmatians co-star Mark Williams for almost 20 years. And aside from starring in it, she co-wrote the script and produced the film. Close stated it became more important for her to make the film in order to stimulate discussion on transgender issues, commenting, there came a point where I asked, am I willing to live the rest of my life having given up on this? And I said, no, I won't. Some people will change their point of view, and those who are either too old or too blinkered to accept the beauty of difference will just have to die off. (laughs) All right, all right. And the film... Close played the title role of Albert Nobbs, a woman living as a man in 19th century Ireland after being sexually assaulted assaulted as a young girl um woohoo w2s everybody get excited um she in 2012 she was the voice of the giant in into the woods at the delacourt theater in central park uh the production also featured amy adams as the baker's wife huh. i don't see that but donna yeah. murphy is the witch yeah that i see um do, 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 do. uh and 2014 close returned to broadway in the starring role of agnes in the reviver in the revival of edward albee's delicate balance her co-stars were john lithgow and martha plimpton oh that'd be fun yeah um she was in the series tv series damages and after that ended uh she was in guardians of the galaxy (laughs) what you've been waiting to get to (laughs) i really love her in it um and listen she's done a lot there's a fucking lot 
2020, she started Netflix's film adaptation adaptation of hillbilly elegy uh reunited with ron howard and star and starring alongside amy adams uh while the film which was re uh, released for streaming on netflix on november 24th 2020 my anniversary received mixed to negative uh critical reviews close received acclaim for her performance uh richard roper praised close for her masterful screen commanding pitch perfect performance uh, let's see. Upcoming projects. She is set to reprise her stage role of uh, Norma Desmond in a film adaptation of the musical Sunset Boulevard, though the film remains in development. Yeah, we'll she see. will also be starring in the upcoming film Brothers alongside Josh Brolin and Peter Dinklage. In 2022, she announced that Close, uh, Close will star alongside Andrew Day and Monique in an upcoming exorcism drama, The Deliverance directed by lee daniels for netflix and slated to release in 2023 well it's 2023 um she was also cast alongside jamie fox cameron diaz and kyle chandler in the action comedy back in action also for netflix in march 2023 it was announced that close stars in the uh, that close stars in the upcoming film the summer book based on the novel by tove jansen which will be directed by charlie mcdowell all of those, I don't even know if they came to fruition. Yeah. Um. So that's what I have. <sighs> Never won an Oscar. That's crazy to me. Yeah. Everyone thought she was going to take it that last time for the wife, but then Olivia Coleman swooped in. Uh, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I was too. I didn't see the wife, but... Neither it, did I, but it's Olivia Coleman. Just give her all the things. Yeah, and it just felt like... The wife was not really. It would have been like, oh, you've never won. Here, you should have it. As opposed to like, you deserve it. Yeah. So. Okay. Um. So what movie? Ooh, wait one second. What, huh? uh, do you know what your first uh, memory is of Glenn Close? How you were Fatal introduced? Fatal Attraction. Fatal yeah. Attraction. 100%. She uh she scared me. She's very scary. She is. Yeah. Um, what was your first? My first was the movie that I chose. Okay. Which was The World According to Garp from 1982. 1982. Directed by George Roy Hill. And this is the kind of movie you just don't like. Oh, no, I hated it. I, I really hated it. <laughs> I really hated it. Why did um, you hate it? Which is funny because I was in a John Irving um, uh, time of my life where I was really into his books for a long time. One of my favorite books was A Prayer for Owen Meany. Um, and now I can't even imagine that. I don't know why I felt this way. Why did I hate it? You know, I didn't like not a goddamn person in this movie. Not really? one character. Not one character. No, no, no. I'm lying to you. John Lithgow stole my heart, ran away with it. So good. He has it forever. So good. The kind of performance you could not get away with today. But so good. He is so good in this. And I actually read a quote that he is very different from the book. I feel like I read The World According to Garp, and I just don't remember. Um, but uh, the author was not pleased with the way the director had him perform that part. Hmm. 
um, because he said it wasn't supposed to be played for laughs. It was supposed to be heartfelt and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I think he played it very heartfelt and very true and very, like, it was never a thing. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, And if you have no idea what we're talking about, it's because John Lithgow plays um, a transgender woman. But he did. I thought it was beautiful, and his character was beautiful, and he's the only one I liked. Everybody else was just fucking. I can't like shut up, Garp, and his name is Garp. And she. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Tell me why you love it. (laughs) I well, I love the book. Jenny Fields, who so if you don't know Garp, it's Glenn Close plays this woman named Jenny Fields who wants to have a baby without a man. So she essentially rapes this disabled soldier and gets pregnant uh, and then raises her child on her own. She becomes a nurse. When um, she tells that story to the guy, is what is he, the principal like or whatever this, yeah. he is? The, and he's just like, oh my God. he's looking at him like i don't understand i wanted a baby i didn't want a man i don't understand why this is a problem he's dead i don't understand (laughs) jenny fields is one of my favorite characters of all time and i love um you know for me a little robin williams goes a very long way yes this is not like a typical like this was very early in his career it was only like his second starring movie Mm -hmm. so it wasn't like a robin williams vehicle which is good for me um, so I think he's good in it. I think he has some good moments in it. Um, I just love her and I just love John Lithgow so much. And I just love all of the, I just love John Irving. So there's just so much of it. And I will tell you one thing, um, that I've always remembered from the first time I saw this movie mm-hmm. is I thought it was just once, but seeing it again, it's two times where she wakes up in the middle of the night and turns the light on and she squints her eyes because of the light. And you never see people do that in the movies. Like when it's dark and they turn a light on and it's just, she just, you know what I mean? It was just your natural instinct to squint at the light. Just such a minor thing, but I just love that. Um, But yeah, I think it's funny and I think it's it gets me. Um, yeah, it's just a lot, a lot like life for me. Um, yeah, I and I was racking my brain. I'm like, who is this woman, his wife, uh, Mary Beth Hurt? Because I knew the name. I've heard that name forever but i never put the face to the name and i was like she is so familiar to me who is she and she's in the family man with nicholas cage she plays Ah. secretary that's where i know her from um yeah i know i i didn't like any of these people um uh yeah i just like john lithgow's character i didn't like anybody else i thought they're insufferable i thought they were um yeah i just didn't and it surprised me because like i said i went through i was very heavy in a john irving phase um i don't yeah i'm not anymore that is over i will also say you would never guess that this is her first film she feels like a million years when i saw that i was like what yep old pro old pro old pro and and you know people make a big deal oh well she was only four years older than robin williams they start the movie he's a little boy 
Yeah. And they a, just, an infant. An infant. Right. Correct. And she just, and they age her up a little bit, but it's, I think it plays to her character though, that she doesn't, that she's sort of timeless. Yeah. And she um, also, I feel like she feels matronly anyway. So yes, I feel like it works. Yes. Um, it's, it's, I don't know. It might might be with age, those movies or those books about, oh, here's these quirky people and the really interesting things they did. And they're just so quirky. Shut up. I can't take it. Like when he just wants to stare at the kids. Like the the thing that he loves doing more than anything is just staring at their children, which, okay. Like, I don't. Okay. Okay. I don't I don't know. Like he said they're gonna go out on a date, they get a babysitter, they get in the car, and then his whole date night plan is just to sit in the car and stare at their kids through the window. It's just, it like okay, we get it. You're weird. I, I got it. <laughs> Let's move on. Like I yeah, I don't I don't. Everyone did a great job. I feel like every one did an amazing job. It's just not for me. That, and that's fair. Yeah. I do love uh, at the beginning her parents, played by Hume Cronin and Jessica Tandy, uh, when she's leaving and she's outside and they're chasing after her and she's telling the whole story that you can't really hear over the sound of the waves crashing, um, <laughs> but you hear her say ejaculate. Um, and I love when her dad is like, don't you dare say sperm in this house. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get Swoozy Kurtz showing Swoozie up, Kurtz. who I just adore her. Um, and the whole Ellen James society is, was always so fascinating to me. And I love that there was a band that took that name back in the eighties, probably. Um, and then Amanda Plummer shows up who I just, that scene and she's in it for like two minutes in the whole movie, but just that scene where she helps him out of the funeral and they have that moment in the, in the hallway before she opens the door outside Mm -hmm. that I just love that moment so much. I think she's so good. Um, so, yeah, I think it's also interesting that Garp has that big double standard at the end because um, there are spoilers here, but because uh, he fucks the babysitter. Um, right. And he gets so mad at her for having an affair. And I thought like watching it again last night, I'm like, it's not fair for him. And it's probably natural for people to do that. Um, but I also feel like it was probably presented because we don't know what that note says that the girl gives to him about right. his wife's affair. Um, but I just wondered if it was set up for him more like it was a love affair for her as opposed to him just fucking the babysitter. Um, which neither are okay. So, like, right, yeah, get over yourself, yeah. And then it leads to tragedy. But I also, I love how they make up. And I just, I just love how, I just, I just really love this movie. I mean, I think it's worth a watch. Yeah. And like you said, I think they're all just so good. And John Um, Lithgow, just his character and their relationships with his character. That is good enough to save the movie for me yeah and it's like you said it's never a thing it's never like a what or a what a who even when that when that guy comes to get his wife out of there um do you remember that he shows up and he's like it's and then he gets tackled by by roberta but Uh even he's not it's not a thing like he calls them all dykes 
because he thinks right. it's a big lesbian commune. But it's never a thing like him calling Roberta anything. You know what I mean? And I just love how it's just never a thing. And it would have been period typical to have um, hateful speech surrounding absolutely that character. And there isn't. She's Mm-mm. just a person. I love he the used relationship. Used to be a male football player. Yep, I love the relationship between Roberta and Garp, and they're just such good friends and confidants, and they look out for each other. And there are moments of like physical intimacy, like not like kissing or anything, but like holding hands and just an easy hugging and touching of arms and stuff. And it's and just so ki- sweet. And whenever she leaves, she kisses every single person on the lips. Yeah, I just I loved his character. I loved Roberta. Yeah. I loved how they handled it. So I don't know what John Irving's problem was. Um, Cause I thought it was beautiful. Me too. Um, I love so the costumes that he wears. Yes. Like it just feels like there's not, there's not any attempt to make him ultra feminine. It's just like, here's this man who has transgendered into this female and this is how he looks, or this is how she looks now. Yes. You know? They didn't, they didn't make him. A man. They didn't make him a man that slapped makeup on and put him in a dress. That's a woman. But the reality is, she was born a man, and so she's going to look a certain way. Yeah, and super tall. Super tall, very manly, because she was a football player. So this transition was later on in life. Yeah. So there's some things that can't be helped. The later you transition, the more you're going to look like the the gender that you were born. But they don't. They just handle it beautifully. She's just a woman, and yep. she happened to use to be a man. Yep, yep, yep. One hundred percent. And it's so, gorgeous. So gorgeous. So good. Um. So yeah. Yeah. That's how I feel. But I think people should watch it. So we're not going to spoil too much. <laughs> but people should watch it. Um. Beautiful performances. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, yeah, like Sue says, I think it's definitely worth watching and love to hear what you think of it. It's been probably 20 years since I'd seen it. So it was for me, it was a nice, nice to reconnect with it. Yeah, I've never seen it. I'm pretty sure I read the book, though. Just don't. I feel like John Irving is sort of the like late 70s, early 80s Wes Anderson. Like his universes are so yes. contained in amongst themselves. Yes. That it's, 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 it's its own world. Yes. Of Irvingisms. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah. So that's yeah. T.S. Garp. That is, that terribly is sexy, terribly sexy. I used to be terribly sad. <laughs> um, so I had us watch a little film. Called The Paper, starring Michael Keaton, Glenn Close, Marissa Tomei, uh, Robert Duvall, and Randy Quaid. <sighs> you, I know for a fact, 100% certainty that you hated this movie. You would be correct. I love this movie do you i love this movie oh my god i cannot wait i adore this movie i love it i absolutely love it (laughs) now uh the paper is a 1994 american comedy drama directed by ron howard 
starring Michael Keaton, Glenn Close, Marissa Tomei, Randy Quaid, and Robert Duvall. Received an Academy Award nomination for Best Original Song for Make Up Your Mind. Oh my God, are you serious? Uh, yes. Uh, written and performed by Randy Newman. I hate Randy Newman. Oh my God. Oh much. It's so bad. She's just bad. Everything sounds the same. I hate him. Um, the film depicts a hectic 24 hours in a newspaper editor's professional and personal life. The main story of the day is two businessmen are found murdered in a parked car in New York City. The reporters discover a police cover-up of evidence that the teenage suspects in custody are innocent and rush to scoop the story in the midst of professional, private, and financial chaos. Now, tell me why you hated this movie because I want to know so badly. <laughs> Well, first of all, I don't really enjoy the films of Ron Howard. So there's one. Okay. Okay. That's, that's okay. I can see that. Then we get the opening credits. I see original score and original song by Randy Newman, who I fucking hate. Yes. I hate him as well. Then the movie starts. The first scene stars two of my all-time favorites, Michael Keaton and Marissa Tomei. (laughs) So there's that. Uh, And then Randy Quaid shows up. And it's just about a time that doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> Newspapers. It was nice that people were concerned about telling the truth. Yes. Uh, I remember those days. Yes. Um, it also, for me, just like it kept leaning into the, like the racial tensions of the Rodney King era. Yeah. There was just talks about race riots and race wars and then it felt like oh the white people are gonna save the two black people and it's all told through a completely white lens there's like one very minor black character um who works in the newspaper but i think everyone else in the newspaper is white um and of course it's the 90s so i get it yeah um it's also a movie that manages to waste the talents of Catherine o'hara it really does she's in one scene and she's insufferable (laughs) and she's supposed to be but i'm also like she's not even fun insufferable yeah no she's she's terrible you hate her character um and uh yeah it just it's was like the days when you could fire a gun in a crowded office and nobody cares (laughs) also coincidentally minor spoilers we chose probably maybe the only two films where Glenn Close gets shot. Oh my God, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't even put that together. That's hysterical. So uh, that's my take oh. on the paper. Why do you like it? I, well, first of all, I love Michael Keaton. We know this. Yes. That I, helps I, a lot because I'm just like, oh, shut up. Shut up. <laughs> I think he's so good. I think Marissa Tomei is so good. I think they're all so good. Randy Quaid, yes, he's a crazy person. But if you take that away, like, they're just all so good in this movie. Um, I love that it's fast paced. I love that they want to tell the truth. Um, And this is going to sound really stupid. But it's one of the reasons I connect with this movie is Marissa Tomei is pregnant with their baby. And it's summer. And she's got a cold, what you think is a cold. And the reason I um, connect with that is because until I got pregnant, I did not realize that one of the side effects is you're constantly congested. Hmm. 
because everything is opening and moving and all your your head you're not everything and so you are really congested and it doesn't feel like a normal cold it literally feels like just your head was stuffed with this goop and and so the fact that she's dealing with that the whole movie for some reason really i don't know it just i don't know um i just i don't know i love it i just love it well that's good i'm glad that you do <laughs> I, I, I watch it all the time. Oh, good. I mean, I wasn't sure when I, I saw what you're doing. I I thought you may have just picked it. Um, I wasn't sure if you'd seen it or not, but I figured it was because Michael Keaton was in it. Um, and then when I was, because I'd seen this at the movies in 1994, mm. and that was last time I'd seen it, so I didn't really remember any of it. Um but when I was watching it, I was like, oh, I wish she would have chosen 101 Dalmatians. <laughs> Sorry. And no, I should have okay. because I've never seen it. But I did. I picked it. I will be honest with you. I picked it knowing how much I loved it, knowing how much you would hate it. I did. Because I wanted to get your reasons. I knew you would. And I just wanted <laughs> to know why. But I didn't know about the Ron Howard thing. Had I known about the Ron Howard thing, or let's rephrase it and say, had I remembered about the Ron Howard thing, I probably wouldn't have picked it. Because I don't want to make you miserable. Oh, no, no, no. And it's fine. I mean, I've really only been miserable one time in this journey of ours. When I and what was didn't it? finish the movie. It was that Kathleen th- Turner movie, Undercover Blues. And I didn't Blues finish it either, I think. What was oh, it? Undercover Blues. Is that what it was called? Oh yes, no, I finished it. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, generally for me, I almost said Robin Williams. Ron Howard is just uh, so. It just feels so like wanting to please everybody in his films. Hi. To me, I don't even know that I can pit like. I know it's a Ron. The only reason I'll ever know it's a Ron Howard film is because his whole family is in it. Right. Yeah. Um, but I, off the top of my head, can't even think of like movies. I'm going to look him up now because it's going to bother me because I know that he's done. He did Apollo 13, and which I like well enough. Um, The Da Vinci Code, which is terrible. I think he did all of those. Let's see. Oh, um, Splash, Cocoon, Gung Ho, Willow, Parenthood, Backdraft, Run Away, Ransom, Ed TV, The Grinch Who Stole Christmas, A Beautiful Mind. Ugh, wow. I hate that movie. I um, didn't see it, but I didn't. I didn't. Solo, I like a Star Wars story. Huh. He directed, he directed Solo? Yeah. Oh, God, I don't remember that at all, but I also didn't like that movie. Um... I have my problems. I have my issues with that movie. The guy isn't tall enough and it will bother me to the end of time. He's not <laughs> tall enough. And it's like, he wasn't even a good enough actor to like, be like, well, we know he's not tall enough, but no one will notice because he's really great. Cause he wasn't great. Yeah. I agree with you there as well. Um, but Donald Glover saved. Well, he did the best he could. Yeah. Um, Oh, okay. So anyway, that's, I mean, I just love it. Watch it. I would love for someone to watch these two films and then are they a Joe or are they a Susan? (laughs) (laughs) It would be interesting since we have such polarizing views on them. Um, We really, really do. Yeah. That would be a nice thing that won't happen, but. um... (laughs) (laughs) That won't happen, but you know. 
Um, so yeah. So yeah. And so now it's my turn to pick. It T I is. You know, we're gonna do an Oscar nominee. Oh, okay. We're gonna do America Ferrera. Oh. Yeah. That I just came up with that. That just get just came out of my butt. Okay. We'll see if she was in enough that we could actually watch. <laughs> okay. So we'll be watching Barbie and uh the and, traveling pants and then and, call it a day. And ugly Betty. <laughs> I often uh, during when Ugly Betty was on the air, which was a series that I did and adore that show. Um, they spoofed it on Saturday Night Live on the Weekend Update, and Fred Armisen played her, but his yes. name was Fugly Betsy. <laughs> so I still to this day use that term, Fugly Betsy. I just think Fugly is such a funny word. It really is. Um, yeah, we'll do her. Let's do her. All right. Um, because I'm tired of white women, honestly. Everybody <clears throat> honest. Ugh, who's not? Ugh, God. <laughs> um, all right. Well, if uh, if you want to write to us, you can. Three funny ladies at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram, three funny ladies. <laughs> and uh, we'll be back next week. We sure will. We don't know if we'll only get to watch one movie. Um, but <laughs> No, she's got stuff. I'm looking right now. Okay. I, I figured she did. I was kind of, uh, I was just kind of living on faith there. She's in Dumb Money, but that movie scares me because I don't think I'm going to understand it. Oh, right. I, it has to do with money, so I'm not going to like it. Yeah, with that GameStop. Yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they're poor and they're rich and they're poor and they're rich. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, yeah, I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so all we're right. not going to watch that. All nope. right. Okay. Well, as always, a pleasure. A pleasure. We'll talk to you next week. The pleasure is all yours. The pleasure is all (laughs) yours. (laughs) Okay, bye. Bye.